Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTEGA podcast, Mikey Stafford here. Um, we're going to reflect on the hurling year that was and perhaps try and put some of the uh, supposed ills of the game to right. And, and for that uh, for that purpose, I've been joined by Anthony Daly and former Intercounty UF Barry Kelly. How are we doing, gents? Good, Mike. Good stuff, good stuff. Um before we get on to the year that was, I think we might look ahead to next year. Dalo, there was a couple of interesting appointments, I think, since we were uh, uh, reviewing the All-Ireland Hurling final. Um, the bit of, bit, the merry-go-round has, has moved a little bit, and um, obviously Wexford have uh, landed uh, very well thought of Tipperary coach Dara Egan to replace Davy Fitzgerald. Um, and then you get, the, you get the sense somewhat between... Um, that perhaps Tipperary were, were kind of outflanked a little bit and that perhaps Egan was somebody they had, had had perhaps in mind and so they've kind of gone back to the future with, with Colin Bonner who, no offence to Colin Bonner by any means, so I mean this, he was extra manager at a difficult time and didn't do a bad job by any means and has done a fine, decent job with Carlo recently enough. But um, it seemed to a lot of people that if Colin Bonner was going to get the Tipperary job, it would have been 10, 15 years ago, not in 2021. Yeah, I, I'd say, Mike, it was, there was a lot of talk about Dara was a contender, and I suppose, but the huge talk was that Liam Cahill would be coming back the two years were up in Watford. So that, that might have caught them a little bit in that. Um, they probably, like for Dara Egan, he probably wanted to get move on. He's very well rated with, with, with Liam Sheedy and uh, with Kildangan as well, the job he's done with Kildangan. Well, well, touted, you know, bringing them back to their first um, county championship uh, last year or so, and uh, they've become very, very strong club there in North Tip. So he's obviously a, he's a deep thinker in the game, and uh, Wexford probably saw that there was a bit of a gap there. That, that Tip were waiting on Liam Cahill, and they made their move and they pounced, and and uh, he went there. So let's look to him there. I think it's a it's a great appointment for them. And then Liam Cahill give a, a massive shot in the arm to Waterford Hurling, I think, by saying. Basically, that he felt he was happy where he was. He knew what he was working with, and uh, yeah, as you said, probably Cullum. I would have, you know, Cullum has huge experience. Obviously, as you 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 named out throwing then Ballyhale, throwing other clubs. He's been throwing Fitzgibbons as well. Like, but I suppose we would have all thought if it was going to happen, it would have happened before this for Cullum with tips. So, so yeah, bit of a shock, but um, you know, I think he he's well capable of doing a good job. He knows all about the game and and very well up with the game all the years. Like sometimes you'd say with a fella coming in late in, in his life, maybe that he would be gone from the cut and trust of the game. But you're obviously Cullum with the college um, would especially be right up to date with tactically and, and all that's needed. So it just could be a good fit. We just have to wait and see. We don't know what's going to happen in Galway yet. A lot of talk, Michal. Don't know who um, is on the way back. Um so, yeah, Matty Kenny staying on in Dublin for another year probably deserves that, I think. And Barry be able to tell us what's happening in Westmead there. <laughs> what's going on in Westmead, Barry? Yeah, apparently, well, one of Dale, one of Dalo's former former uh, charges, Ryan O'Dwyer, apparently, was, was in contention. But it looks like a fellow 
Dublin man Dale would know him well from his dealings with, with Crokes and Ballyboard and it looks like Joe Fortune is the, the name on everyone's lips uh, Kevin O'Brien the under 20 manager who managed Tron Kill they would actually face Ballyboard a couple of years ago in the Leinster Club Championship um, he was kind of local contender but nothing official yet Mikey but uh, I think Joe Fortune is expected now to, to take over the reins and again he would have the edge on on, on, uh, on Ryan certainly in terms of experience Ryan has had a couple of club jobs Longwood and County meeting that but obviously Joe Fortune has Dale mentioned earlier on to me that mentioned Dublin minors Dublin under 20s and and Bally Borden and I've spoken to uh, a couple of guys um, in on the Dublin scene some of the referees actually and uh, were spoken very highly about, about Joe Fortune so just interesting uh, where it goes from there and again obviously the, the, the Galway job then obviously is as Dale said it looks like Mike or Liam or uh, Michal is the favourite at the moment to go back in at least anyway so it'll be interesting to see what that'll bring about in terms of obviously a lot of the Galway lads probably could follow Joe out the door as well like you know you wouldn't think there's that much left in maybe David Burke a few more of the lads there be a lot of mileage in the clock like so you know the Galway job is probably the most challenging job now in terms of you need to bring in a few new faces there definitely and you know this year obviously ended pretty badly for them yeah that's that's an interesting point, Dalo. That you know, if Michal Donahue goes back into to Galway and Colin Bonner is taking a, is is ta- finally getting the job, perhaps he would have wanted 10, 15 years ago. Um, it almost seems like Wexford are a little bit of an outlier in that they're taking a chance on a young guy who's been a coach but not a manager at inter county level. Do you think there is a reluctance in counties to maybe? take a punt on a young guy or a guy who only has club experience or a guy who's only been a coach and has never been a manager because Jesus Galway's like one of the biggest hurling counties in the country that they that not saying that, that Michal Dunham isn't a fine manager of C1 in All-Ireland but that they're going back there suggests a lack of viable candidates yeah, well, We would have thought I suppose uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Linsky would be maybe one with the underage pedigree but didn't go that well for him in the under 20s I suppose um nearly all this year for all the world would have been held over so maybe and I suppose if Michal is interested in coming back I mean he delivered not Ireland in 17 the first one since Cyril's time and uh, I think it's a no-brainer for them if, if he's interested in going back whether why he quit in the first place would maybe but you say what has changed uh, there was a lot of talk with that maybe there was a bit of a clash with the couple of board officials or, or the board or whatever I'm not too privy to it but uh, has to have things changed sufficiently for him now to go back and say, yeah, I'm happy to take it on again. And and I think Barry's right. I mean, there is a, probably a bit of surgery needed there. Uh, and the same with Tip. You know, we've seen Joe gone already with Galway. We've seen Brendan, Brenda Gray, Brenda Mar gone with Tip. And there are probably a few to follow, I I, I presume. Uh, wouldn't like to be right in anyone's epitaph. Um, so we'll wait and see. But there is a few lads with a fair bit of mileage, as Barry said, on the clock in both counties, uh, top, top players like, you think of Aidan Hart, as you said, David Burke, fellas like that, you think uh, Noel McGrath, you think of Paddy Marr, you know, so brilliant, brilliant players, so um, we'll see, we'll see what that brings and what a manager coming in, you know, we've seen what Liam Cahill did in Waterford with making his own few changes and making statements and uh, winding up in an Ireland final after it, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the take is there. Yeah. And you're uh, and so Dale, are you ruling out a return to inter county scene in 2022? I, I absolutely <laughs> am, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I'll stay here talking about it with you, Mike. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot handier sitting down the couch talking about it, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's probably safe for employment uh, prospects. As, yeah, as yeah. Well. well, we're delighted. <laughs> we're delighted. <laughs> 
great win over Tip in the semi final. But uh, I think at one stage it was maybe 9 3 to Kilkenny. I think they had nine, nine shots, nine, nine points. Uh, and I remember thinking to myself at one stage, got Kilkenny going really well here, a goal here. And like in a way, I think my, in my own head, it was we're in bother here because it's easier to referee a game when the tight teams are close because obviously everyone focuses on the ball. And the fear is that someone gets frustrated when. And then McKenney didn't get one goal. I think they got two. Eddie, Eddie Bennett scored two in a minute or thereabouts. And suddenly it was like, I mean, it really was half time. It was like, right, you know, just get through this without, you know, without some bad from Waterford. No offense, but uh, you know, just saying, I got first allowed in final in whatever it was, 59 years thereabouts or 49 years time. And, you know, they're not going to cut the head of a fella here. You know what I mean? Like, because that was their biggest fear. The result of the match wasn't in doubt. But even looking back, like, I mean, Dale are still over the 65 back in 95. I mean, their winning score was 113, Dale? 113 is a race, well, yeah. yeah. You know I mean? 113, 113 wouldn't, wouldn't be a half-time score these days. It wouldn't, you know, obviously Limerick this year had 318 scored. I mean, put a 113 score after 17, 8 water break time. Yeah. So like, I mean, but one message that did strike me was, I'm sure Dale was probably there at the time was, Remember after the kind of lockdown last year, and the first match shown on television was Clare and Limerick in the championship. And uh, the first first three and a half minutes, of the second half, Limerick scored five points. Like, it was just mind boggling. It was like actually on television to watch it, it was kind of almost boring. It was just shot after shot after shot. Uh, I know that Limerick team in particular have a, a strategy nearly where they fully expect to have fifty shots a goal and score two thirds of those, which wouldn't be a hugely highly successful conversion rate. That means they're going to score 34, 35 points. They're not a team that places huge emphasis on goals, although this year they certainly did. But like, if you score 34, 35 points, you're very hard to very hard to overcome that. Like, and I don't know whether it's the Hurleys, whether it's the Sitters. I mean, even Taylor will tell you like this. Every Sitter now you use nearly is as a brand new one or one that goes wide. One player hands them a Sitter that's perfect, just out of the factory almost, and lads leather down the field. There's no such thing now as remotely a, a sitter that's worn or wet or, you know, it's it's just, sitters are very dispensable. As you see it in the program before the game, like, and lads are leathering slitters into the crowd. Like, and <laughs> county boards are, like, probably treasure up in the stand is like, Jesus, they're like, but it's, it's, I don't have a, you might think it's a problem as such, but the scoring rates are astronomical. It's only a matter of time until some team scores 50. 50 points, like, in total, but whatever it was. Lillian came reasonably close this year. I'd say if they had to go 50, they would have scored 50 nearly that day. Um, so has gone really off scale, like, now. 113 only 25 years ago when Dalo's team won. 113 to win the level. I mean, he scored 2-8 that day. Yeah. Two eight, like, I mean, sure, any team, when you can see it, now, I know it was a great a team with a great defence, and let's, let's, not be, let's not be, you know, the top-class defenders in that team, Mike, but still, 2-8 it was phenomenal. Um, and now this isn't to this isn't to hammer anybody or anything because Dale, I think we can all agree that um, well we'll get into the rules and we do cover a lot of even what Barry's already mentioned um, the skill levels and the, the coaching and everything and you've probably witnessed that over the course of your own mm-hmm. managerial career not even your playing career you've probably seen from when you started out with Claire to going through that you kind of see that how the strength and conditioning. The, the, the skill the level of skills etc that are there are phenomenal and everyone can say oh well modern hurls modern slitter you know 
get, t- t- take a take someone off the street and see if they can put a modern slitter over the bar from 100 yards with a modern hurl um you won't you won't even come close try it from 40 or 50. so the you know the technology etc has moved on but so has the, so have the players and every sport has to contend with this that you know people get better as we get on and the legends of 50 years ago 60 years ago in most sports have been surpassed because it's just the evolution of the species as well as you know kind of sport becomes more professional even the amateur sports so just just before we get into it this is not to say that everything we see is an illusion by any means yeah well like you know i'd say one thing there i would say you'd be saying i know you're going to ask us about the hurley size and that but the schlitters and barry's right obviously and we would expect big games new balls but i think the big thing and I've asked a few lads that have kind of played for a long time. And they say the biggest change is in the slitter being that little bit lighter, but the rim being gone. And but what essentially the rim being gone, like remember the old O'Neill's balls, very you often threw them in sure and, and you'd feel the rim, you know, and that that led to a bit of, you know, not as sweet striking, I'd have to say, and a bit of inaccuracy in a lot of wides, maybe, because the distance shot, I suppose, was harder to to control then because it, if it didn't hit clean um, and I've asked a few lads about that because you know there's been so many theories the Hurleys have changed a fair bit but not massively I don't think I, I, I kind of used a big boss way back then um, but it wasn't any it's still not as big as what I see now when I handle lads Hurleys and that but I think tactics as well has played a huge role in it of course and um, the days of me hooking it up to the sparrow let's say and his man was on him and it was man or man or to see who'd win it. Like now that has changed and, and teams have gone defensive, and yet that would seem to be a contradiction. But it is allowing more scores from out the field. And, and as Barry said, doesn't doesn't bother Limerick. Like they're quite happy with Dermot Burns, his percentages from 70, 80 yards. They're quite happy with that. Um that they'll if if they can pop it back to Dermot Burns or Hannon, that they'll nail it from back there. And uh yeah, it's just they're bigger men as well, of course. Now they're different specimens of athletes, and uh, might mention two of the Limerick halfbacks. We might as well mention the other one. I mean, what has he brought to halfback play since he went back there, Kyle Azen? So, yeah, so I don't know. I, I honestly think though, teams defensively, uh, players are not under as much scrutiny now as to what their man scored or whatever. You know, like that day, Barry, we mentioned 113. Like, I'd have been so conscious as Mark and Johnny Dooley that day. Like, no one, like Johnny got five points off me or one three or something. It was going to be hard to beat him. So you had a big job to do and you'd nearly sacrifice your game as a defender in terms of clearing ball to mark your man. Whereas I see an awful change in that now. We have wingbacks bombing up the field and, and scoring. Cornerbacks regularly scored this year. You know, Carl Barris, Barry Heffernan, Niall O'Leary. We saw him regularly get the scores. Um... Even even Rory Hayes, Claire, good few chances, you know. So that wasn't there in our time. So I think that has contributed as well. So I still think we have a great game, you know, and I think we see great things in our game. Problem usually when people start whinging about things is when there's a dominant team there. Mm. And again, we have a dominant force. And I think if, if you took away from the great Kilkenny team and they did get the five, but it came back and won more after that. But took away them with... Well, they were there and, and we all wanted to say, what can we do to change it? But other counties got close and, you know, we saw Clare making a breakthrough then in 13, Galway 17, Waterford came very close, Dublin came close-ish, uh, won a couple of things. Um, you know, so 
it was good and even and really going into the start of the year every year. But now there's people would be saying, chit chat to who's going to beat Limerick at this stage, you know. But and and the rest are probably very similar. If Limerick weren't in it, yeah, or for some yeah. reason they didn't come out a monster around Robin, anyone could win it. Yeah. So it's that's true. the reality of the situation. F- football, football is in a better place now as well because the Dubs haven't won the All Ireland. So yeah, I see. You take your point, right? Let's get into these rules. Um, courtesy of Rory O'Neill, not me. I am his proxy here. Um, <laughs> rule I'd say one. you got yeah, I'd say you had a meeting about this. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Uh, rule one: All puckouts, just like in football, are taken from the ground and from the twenty-one yard line. So Rory's uh, explanation here is pretty soon you could have in theory a far school game of ping pong with the two goalies taking shots on each other. So Dana, this comes back to the to the slitter and to the rim and to the box of the modern hurl and the modern goalkeeper's hurl now is like a, you know, a, a, a howitzer. Um, so this goes back to, yeah. So basically the goalkeeper has to take a free uh, when he's pocketed the ball. I guess that's what he means. So not I, I on work. Like a sideline cut, Mikey. No, it's unclear. He said take from the ground and from the 20. That'd be chaos, Barry. That would be absolute chaos if it was a sideline cut, because if it has to be taken by the goalkeeper, very unpredictable. Um, You'd have a lot of jostling for position close to goal. Um, How do you think that one would work? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that one of the biggest changes in the game in the last 25 years is that if you went through and asked any lad who are the best goalkeepers of all time, they're all featuring the last... The standard of keeping the last 25 years has been off the scale. Go back to, to Fitzy, David Fitzhenry and Galo's time. Even like, I mean, Don Logue was a phenomenal keeper. I don't know how high ball is. You need to catch a high ball. I remember watching him one day against Waterford on a wet day in Crow Park and a ball came through a ticket of hurdies. Never took his eyes off it. Made a catch that was... You don't see... Without, without being smart, Fitzy won't appreciate this, but nearly... You know, his mistake for Michael Dleiden's goal in 95 was nearly the last big keeper mistake that led to a goal in a final. In a way, like, it's kind of the standard of keeping. But also, linked to that then is the, the puck-outs. Again, there's a huge skill. You were talking about pucking the ball about 100 yards out, Mikey, but the skill in pucking the ball to a fella who would be 20 yards from where he is when you puck him. Like, don't we all can introduce that now. And it's an incredible skill. It's a bit like... Do you remember the Joe Canning sideline cut to, to, to Joseph Cooney in the Leinster final mm-hmm. last year? I mean, Tiger Woods or DeChambeau won't do it in the Raider Cup, like in terms of they're hitting a static target. Like he hit, hit the ball to a fella who was going to be 20 yards from where he was when he first moved, like into his hand. Like it's just mind boggling. So the, the keepers, I, I, I like to puck out. I'm not nuts about the puck out to the corner back, which obviously has crept in. Dale mentioned tactics and lads are playing sweepers and. You know, someone introduced a sweeper back in 2004 against uh, Paul Kilkenny and started the whole thing going. But anyway, we, we, we leave him, we leave him out of the old conversation. But anyway, Paul Alan Martin got blamed for that. But anyway, um, I, I think there's a skill in the puck out, particularly when you go like 60, 70 yards. Nowadays, Dale knows himself, inter-county managers, the goalkeeper has to be nearly, arguably one of the most skillful players in the team. Previously, that wasn't the case. Uh I don't like the idea. There's more random selection area above free. You know, it's hard to control a free. And they did hit it to a lad that you try and get pinpoint 70 yards away. Uh, so, I know, I wouldn't necessarily agree. I know they're going big distances, but actually, there's very few goalies going. Brian Hogan from Tipperary, and he wasn't even playing with Tipperary this year, but he's a fellow capable of put it down in the opposition 20-yard line. But most of them don't go that route. Most of them go rather for placement. 
So they're not actually going 110 yards of puck outs. They're hitting it 70, 60, 70, sometimes just 20 to the cornerback. And then they, you know, like I think Limerick play a fantastic brand of hurling, but it's also kind of, at times, I'm sure Limerick people like puck it on and it goes Sean Finn and up the line to Dermot Burns and across, and it's it break down very easily and it breaks down, then it's, but it doesn't break down too often, like in a way. So I wouldn't like the puck out change. No, I think the puck out is a, is a skill and... Maybe if you go back to Seamus Jurek poking it down on top of Brian Lovett's father back in the day, whatever, like, that was different, but I think it's a skill. Okay. How about you, Dale? Would you like to see, uh, give, give the keepers a pitching wedge and see how they get on? Yeah, well, I thought by his that they take it off the ground like football, so I thought he meant to sideline well, cuts. It's, it's, not, it's not clear. It's not clear. Yeah, straight away, I thought I'd be going to Portumna if I'm me, I don't know who, and getting <laughs> Joe Kenning to go back into goal for Galway. No, no to disrespect to Aidan Murphy or whatever, but... Uh, you know, and look, I, I no, I just wrote no, Mikey, and then I, was, I wrote down the five questions. I wrote no, Rory, like you know, thinking he'd be on with us here. I, I think it's yeah, I think you look at Nicky Quaid as well, some of the pucking out on Murphy, and of course, these guys as well, great outfield players with their clubs and uh, huge, huge skill involved. I like, I like the puck, I find it fascinating to watch back the games from the high behinds, Mike, and to see the movement and the accuracy. Yes? As Barry said, like sometimes you say, how did he manage to go, you know, 80 yards and clean into a guy's hand that has made a 20-yard run? Great mm-hmm. skill involved and, and some amount of practice. So I think it, it should be there to stay. I, I also think you'd find the workaround pretty easy. It would be a, it would be a quick one too. The keeper finds himself in 20 yards of space instead of pucking the ball out from the small parallelogram, he's pucking it out from the 21-yard line. Um, that'd be the cynic in me. Okay, so that's three yeah, if, it was, if it was a free, a, a rose free, like, yeah. like a fella getting a free out, and, and as Rory suggests, from the 20-meter line, then it would be going down into the square and the yeah, he's true. playing ping-pong. So, uh, yeah, he must have so. been off the ground. Yeah, I think that's a bit mad too. We'll, we'll, mad, we'll put that mad. one in room 101. Um, okay. Room Mikey, one. Sorry, just on that, this is actually shown in Crow Park at the referees' meetings quite regularly. Patrick Doherty is our boss in Crow Park, but he just showed it in terms of just the skill levels, the players involved. I did a National League game, Cork, and I don't know who it was, oh, maybe 12, 15 years ago. And I just kind of indicated Don Logue that, and I gave him a nod. I was 70 yards out now. He was his puck out. I indicated to him that time was up. It was half time. So I kind of puck out to me rather than a clash. And maybe, so I put my hand up in the air to say, like, Don will puck it to me. And it's probably there, some, some footed somewhere. They showed it in Crow Park referees' meetings to indicate. My hand didn't move. Literally, like he absolutely put it right into the middle of my love. It was, and I, like, I, lucky enough, I caught the bloody thing as well, which would be embarrassing. But like, it was, you know, it was, it was mind-boggling. Like I know the writer comes on this weekend, and like the, the postage stamp stuff, like you know what I mean. Like a par three, you're putting it, you're putting it into the cup nearly. Like it was just, and like you know, I'm, the likes of him and Fitzy and Damien, they've all like redefined. A bit like football, you mentioned there, like, I mean, Niall Morgan was nearly mad in the match when they were allowed in final. He played midfield for his club, like, he's an even dark midfielder. And I think it showed, you can't just throw the, no longer is a case and you throw the, uh, the dodgy lad in goals. And now is the best lad nearly goes in goals, underage in particular. You need a really good keeper at underage or you'll win no matches. Football and hurling. True. Um, okay, rule two, go to you first for this one, Dale. You can't score from inside your own half. Self-explanatory. Yeah, I know, I know where he's coming from here. You know that if there'll be less distance scored, but I think it'd make the game a worse spectacle, Mike, because the teams that are defensive minded, very defensive minded, 
and you know I've no problem with it. I did it myself, as Barry, as Barry indicated. I did it myself when I caught a hacktaw, but we certainly never did it every day. You know, we 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 when we thought we hacktaw, we we did it. Um, same with Dublin, did it once twice when I thought I hacktaw, but. Uh, Jesus, no, I think if you can't score from inside your own half, your teams are just going to withdraw completely, Mike. They're going, to, they're going to just say, we'll keep this tight because we'll have eight or nine defenders today or six forwards and we'll sacrifice our own in because we'd meet them at the halfway line so they can't score before that. So, again, I don't think that'll work and I think it'll lead to even more crowding. And obviously, there's some great players. We mentioned the Limerick half-back line. You think of maybe Ronan Maher, Hardy Foley, even Dermot Ryan for Clare since he came onto the scene a couple of years ago. Great man to score from distance. And I think there's great skill involved in that. I think if the rim came back into Schlitter, it would probably take away a nice bit of that. Uh, and, and it would discourage Clare's to go for him, even because the percentage rate rates wouldn't, wouldn't be high enough. And I think the best one of all those, Dermot Burns is probably in my head the best one of those. I think when John Kiley came in first, he started to curb Dermot Burns hitting a lot of those long ones because the return percentage-wise wasn't long enough and, you know, let it up to work it to, work it to Keane Lynch and work it to Tom Morris in that kind of way. But he's, he's back doing it again now because I think he's got so good at it um, and they're quite happy for him to have a go at it. So, no, not for me. It, I think it's going to lead to certain counties completely withdrawn and uh, saying, well, they're definitely not getting a goal anyway because they don't have to score from outside our half. Yeah, from, from a referee's point of view, Barry, obviously it's just another imaginary line on the field and you have to be looking to see, et cetera, et cetera. I can imagine from an official's point of view, it, that one would be a real pain in the arse. Yeah, and I suppose like the ones that come in more in particular, Mikey, in, in football recently, like far more rule change in football, really. Um, the one with the square ball has benefited football referees and umpires and so on that change. But sometimes I forget like the referee is the last fellow consulted on these things and you know there, there's so many different things to consider now in terms of the mark the forward mark uh, and you have to bear in mind now if these, if these things are brought in they're not just brought in when Clare are playing tip in the Munster final it also when you know Six Mile Bridge are playing the Tones in a junior match down in Clare and there's you know Ambrose Higney is, is trying to, to keep an eye on it. And Ambrose Higney is one of the fitter lads in fairness now, but yeah. you know what I mean? I just turn out a name, but like, you know, you, you have good players and you have top class players and you have weaker players and the same goes for referees. And, you know, you have to try and make sure that it can't be coming that, Jesus, I, 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 I mean, I've got wrong myself in local football here in terms of like, you know, uh, you know, the mark was he inside the 45 outside. I think even it was a match this year in the National Football League where uh, Rory Began took a kick out, he charged up the field and the pass was given back to him but it was a forward pass back to him and it wasn't blown because the referee obviously, but I mean that's a free now, you can't kick a ball, you can't, I can't, I don't want to recently in a match, match, match last Saturday, kick out, keep a kick out 50 metres, your man was closed down, your man kicked it back 50 metres and I was like, that's a free, even though the whole idea was a hand pass back but once you pass back like, lucky enough I, I spotted like, but the more you bring in, you have to keep in mind that you can't make it too complicated. I mean, the games themselves, particularly football, can be complicated enough to referee anyway. So, mm. hurling less so. And there'll be fewer rule changes in hurling. But, like, trying to... And then, imagine the arguments over a fella in the Ireland final, striking the ball, and Herbert's is hurling, he struck the ball, and was he inside the halfway line or not? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. 
I agree. I agree with Taylor with that one, definitely. No. We need, we need VA. I don't, think, I don't think we're going to see Rory in the Rules Committee here very shortly in Core Park. He's not, he's not doing himself many favours at the moment. Okay, his, <laughs> his, next one, his next one has come up, and it's come up on this show before, and I made a suggestion. I can't remember who it was laughed in my face. I think it might have been Henry Shefflin. So I'll take it. But it, this is a fair point. Uh, Dalo, standardised uh, buff sizes for hurls, you know, you 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 don't think it's a huge issue i personally as a very a, be, a below average junior hurler i love the new hurls i think they're very forgiving i don't think they make that <laughs> i haven't seen myself become a hell of a lot more accurate but you could definitely a bad strike is still a strike uh, so i do think there's something in this but how do you get a standardized boss size when there's probably i don't know let's let's pick a number out of the sky let's say there's 300 hurley manufacturers in the country and um you've no means to police this is the major problem yeah and you said it there mike and do we want to go back and see poor striking do we want is that what we prefer but uh or do we want to see quality balls and 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 be able to be up in the stand and going gee how did he you know find that man with that pass crowd of players but yes, Barry should have tried to bring in something there before about that, didn't they? Standardised boss. I think the so rule exists, it? doesn't it? Yeah, there's something there. But you couldn't. Lads would be bringing five hurlies, sure, and they'd be throwing them out and throwing them in, wouldn't they? And, um, unless there's some way of measuring a lad's four hurlies before the game, and he was allowed four. But then, as Barry said, bring that back to a junior match somewhere. So who's to do it then and all that? You know, I, again, I think within reason, Barry might explain to us what, what is that that rule and is it any was it in four I remember I think I was managing Claire I think but when it came in and we were Jesus that'd be too big like you can't use that that kind of thing <laughs> it didn't last long anyway for some reason in a thir- 13 I'm looking, I remember looking at a rule book a long time ago now 13 centimetres was the was the requirement that now I think keepers hurdies was an exception but I think an outfield players hurdy it couldn't be any more than 13 centimetres um, I think was the I mean, as regards, like, can you trying to police this? Like, I mean, poor fourth official, lad coming on a sub over here with your tape measure and we measure this. And then where are you measuring exactly from where where to where? Maybe, Mike, you're doing yourself a disservice. Maybe you're improving as you're getting older, Mike, and you're, you know, maybe your striking's improving. Like, it, yeah. You know, <laughs> it hasn't got much worse, Barry, I'd say, is the one thing I'd say. Um, <laughs> my, I think the suggestion I made to Henry Shefflin that got me laughed out was that you'd have a kind of... um you'd have like a standardized, like it almost be like a template. So uh, you'd have like a hole in a board that would be a hurl couldn't be any bigger than this hole or else it wouldn't go through the, the board, um, which isn't very workable either, but it might be more workable than a tape measure. But um, the interesting might be to see like in, in other sports, like you know in golf, obviously, you know, I don't actually play golf even, but you know in golf, obviously that clubs have changed and you know, the shafts and the graphite and you know, even the club head. I don't know if there's a limit on from is, but even tennis rackets. I mean, I grew up watching Bjorn Borg with a wooden tennis racket gracefully hitting the ball across the, you know, and now like Djokovic and the boys have rackets that you'd imagine that you nearly couldn't but get the ball with. I presume other sports that they have got regulations and rules, but very hard to enforce them, like particularly in a, in a sport that's played mainly in one country and, uh, you know, I'd say, I'd say you made a very good point earlier on, like yourself in terms that the standard now, like you look back, I'm sure Dale was the same. You look back now on games, even from even 25 years ago, and you're thinking, like, you know, not just fitness wise, but the quality of play today is just mind boggling. What lads can do with a ball, the skill, skills, and skill involved, it's not just strength and conditioning, it's control and touch, and everything is just 
it's just fantastic. It's it's never been better than it is at the moment. I certainly would take that. Not just strength and conditioning, but it's skill-wise, it's just off the scale. But lads can do the ball now. You know, could you imagine Dale or doing what Kyle Hayes did, could you? <laughs> A bicycle to get me back. <laughs> but even football boots, Barry, you know. We're, we're, you know, think of the, you know, the, like you've seen these soccer players bending the ball now, there's new, you know, rugby players, but the boots or even boots, you know, I was in that trade for long enough to know that boots um, become a huge issue for footballers of all. So, can't really stop progress, like I think, you know, and, and I don't think they're going to get much bigger, Mike, because, you know, I've often gone into goal for a penalty or 21 and used one of Davies' hurlies inside the goal, but you wouldn't want to be carrying it around outside, like, you know, because just no. be too slow you're hurling with it um, so I think there's there's a, there's a certain uh, size they'll go to remember they've got so much smaller as well now it's very common I was about to say yeah, they're a lot shorter yeah, than they used you, to be you, using 32s now where we were using 36, 35 yeah, uh, yeah. small it was a small hurley like really that back then so things change mm. yeah and- if, like, if you're involved making underage coaching I'm going a bit here in my own club like parents wouldn't have ever heard but ask you like how do you measure and you know, the old measure of like from the hip down to the yeah. like that's it's gone. Like as you said, like Charlie McGrath, I think was the lad who used to use the smallest hurley intercounty yeah. hurley. He couldn't be hooked no matter what because he had a, a wand in his hand nearly. But now it's you know now it's used to thirty two like big strong men, but they're using hurls that just literally much smaller and yet they're still striking at a mile. And you know the hurls that they were for Patrick Horgan, of course. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's got two thirty-two cellar tape together. I think, um, yeah. So, um, but they, we might as well mention this here since we're talking about technology. Or sorry, equipment. Dale, you do seem to have an issue with the modern slitter, then, do you? Or you think that could be the the root of a lot of the issues here? Yeah, I, I think that's probably the reason. You know, it's got lighter. It's probably more aerodynamic, and and the rim is gone. Virtually, you know, I I, I any. Be it a Cummins, be it an O'Neill's, be it an O'Kelly, I don't want to be leaving out any of the shitter makers. <laughs> but um, the rim is gone virtually. Um, and, you know, Don Logue used to often tell us as well that he'd be paring away rims. Like, and, you know, he'd have all the old tricks, Don Logue, and he, he, he used to have the old big wet ball then to throw out for the opposition. Yeah, he got right. away with it as well. Like, you know, so <laughs> look, and um, even, even, I think before Munster final, uh, one, one of the Clare backroom staff was known to have uh, thrown uh, Anthony Nash's slitters, the whole lot of them, into the crowd down the turtles. That's right. But he'd, he'd the misfortune of telling one of his mates he was going doing it. <laughs> so your man taped it and it kind of got out there. It was a bit embarrassing for Clare at the time. But Asher, look, was more of a kind of, a, you know, an old, old tricks. But yeah, I think the slitter bring back a bit of a rim and, it, you know, it was less certainty. You know, less wasn't less skilled because it's probably harder to control. So, yeah, but will they change that back either? I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. Um, but that would be a lot of the reason for me for the scoring rates going up uh, as much as they have. Yeah, um, Mikey, on the, and again, Dale kind of alluded to that there. I, I did my only one for final in two thousand and five down in down in Parky Creeve. Tip got a penalty after about fifteen minutes, um, and Owen Owen Kelly was obviously going to take it, but. Of course, Dermot ended up with, I think the ball was actually in the back of his shorts, which he kind of got his hand of the ball and he put it in the back of his shorts and the tipper realised he didn't know where the ball was. And one of my umpires reached in and picked out a brand new slitter and pegged it out to me. I like, oh, I was going bananas. I was like, I didn't know, I wouldn't be, didn't play a whole at a high level. I was like, this is a brand new slitter, Owen. What's the problem? Like, you've got to, 
hit this. I think he was no way he was. He wanted the ball that had been originally used. Uh, again, got to do with the rim on the ball and the fact that maybe a bit of spin on it. And I couldn't figure out. I was like, "There's a flipping nearly take the wrapping off of brand new slitter for you. What more do you want? Not a wet, heavy slitter." But remember, he absolutely went. The oh, I wasn't a fellow who would ever go berserk with a referee. He was a gentleman, but he really uh, he wasn't happy. And actually, remember that it was saved, the shot was saved. Don Logan, whoever else in the line, um, Wayne Sherlock or someone, saved it. And uh, it seems nearly psychological as much as anything else. But I think I think Dermot had the bloody ball in the back of his shorts all along. I think I remember discovering that. I remember discovering that later on. But anyway, I wasn't worried about him. No, there was no one. There was none of the tip forwards really going taking it out of his arse. <laughs> no, no, leave it, leave it. <laughs> you can have it. You can have that one. Um, yeah. Okay, rule four, and you'll have to excuse. This must be Rory's. Uh, this must be a uh, Cork uh, Street League lingo here or something. Bash balls have to be pulled on first time. Um, does anyone know exactly what that means? I know he wants to get get rid of rocks here, but um, bash balls, that means that like if the ball is on the ground and it's not in anybody's hand and there's two guys competing for it, you have to try and pull on it, as Dalo would have been du jour in your day. I thought he meant I thought he meant a catch ball, we'd call it, which if Barry decides there's a shamazel, you know, and his ball is going over, he's in his right to blow the whistle and uh, throw it away and two players and throw it in, you know. So often now the players, uh, how far are they meant to be back, Barry? If you throw in the ball, uh, 13 meters, it's very hard to enforce it again, like isn't it? In, in, uh, completely, in, but actually, referees are more reluctant now to they actually try and let the play develop because by by stopping it, you create a bigger problem because then everyone gathers in, and of course, then the throw ball it's almost like you're entitled to pull a little, a little bit of you know a bit more latitude than maybe you would, and, a, and then the lad sticks his foot out. To kind of almost guarantee himself a free takes him for the team, you know. Nowadays, nearly ah oh, well, no, you put your foot out and your man's going to pull. It's no free, and referees try and avoid um, try and avoid those kind of clash balls they can. Eventually, some lad will move it out somewhere. But of course, the other thing too, they're so good at now is getting the ball up into the hand in the in the middle of the rock. Like I mean, I think it's one of the greatest skills. I think I think Brian Corey was quoted as saying that it was the most important skill because whoever has the ball, you dictate everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the idea of, so no, I mean the idea like it, we're trying to get Roy's right. I don't like the clash ball. I don't like it. It just creates more problems. Like it's just a nightmare. Something that gets pulled gets pulled on and then it's just everyone gathers around. Dave has said like 30 meters, you can't get the back two meters. Same in football. So often in football often, often happens is a guy not in the throw and catches the blade thing, it's a foul then because he's not allowed to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, it causes more problems. And we look even among referees meeting to be like, lads, you can. Don't throw it in. Throw it in twice. Start the game and start the second half. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think, Mike, as well, he, he's probably alluding to not liking the rocks, basically, right? So, yeah. why are the rocks there? Like, look, in my day, if a ball set up for you, you could let rip on it. Like, you know, and if you got a good contact, you'd get a good 30, 40 yards out of that pull. Um you know, you'd have it maybe a foot off the ground. And look, I'm looking up the field ahead of me then. Maybe there's probably one midfielder, one, the two of them would hardly be always there in front of you. But there's probably three clear half-forwards, three, we say, awfully half-backs for all the world. And again, now, you see, with teams having four and five across the half-back line, there's no advantage in your half-back line now pulling on the ball. Hardly even midfielders. There's a small advantage maybe in a half-forward. Who knows, there's a two-on-two two inside and he moves it in quickly. And we see some great scores still out of that. But 
I, I like we had great lads when I went to Dublin. Now, good tradition. I think of Stephen Heine. Heine was great, tough wing back, and Heine loved to just go and let rip on the ball, and, and he was good at it. And I, I just had to say, Stephen, there's no point. Like, and we'd be doing the video clips, and he'd get made great contact up to a loose, you know, Westford man or a Galway man, or, and like it, it just. It, that's why it's gone from the game and you meet a lot of the older generation I'm, saying, I'm, I'm creeping up with those as well we all are I suppose but that ground hurling is gone now and what you know so this is a huge rule change about where mm. teams are allowed to set up you know that they have to have six forwards inside their half or something like that then that's not going to come back unfortunately and a pity in one way because it was a great skill to watch and there was nothing like, let's say, a wing back whipping on it. And I often remember it happening. Let's say maybe Liam Dyle would whip on it and it go up to our half hour line and fingers would just turn and lace on it again. And he'd hit it again and it was inside on top of Conor Clancy or the Sparrow, you know, literally really quickly. And it was really effective. And no one better at it than Offaly. We'll all remember that. That, you know, mm. you'd see Pilkington whipping on it. Go back. Adrian, try Adrian Fenlin, Wexford, you know, and... Someone else yeah. said Larry Murphy. Remember, like, Jerry Cockle with a hurl, probably the same size, and Jerry wasn't a big man. Yeah. And Jerry uh, Cockle's hurl was probably, you know, half the size of him, and he would absolutely be lacing balls all around the place. But as you said, it's a hit and miss kind of strategy. And because now defenders outnumber forwards, chances are it's going to end up in a defender's hand, and he lamps it down the field to the lad who's on his own, and he pops over the bar, and then the manager is roaring and shouting at him to bloody bend his back and pick it up like. Yeah, yeah. I was at a football game there, Mike. Just a quick one. I was at a football game, local club here, uh, Shannon Gales, and they were playing their disappointing defeat, but they still got through. But uh, like, it's gone very tactical football, way worse than hurling, obviously. Like, and and uh, we're trying to start out the deals of hurling here. But Jesus was a fella beside me, like, and he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't older than me, like, but he he just kept roaring for the full game nearly. Well, I moved away a bit at halftime. Did he <laughs> kick in the ball? But didn't sure you, you you glanced forward at the forward line and there was one and a half guys because the other <laughs> fellow was out about 25 yards. One fellow was in the edge of the square and there was four defenders back there. Like So, you know, it's just, it's just tactical. That's what it is. And people have to understand that. It's folly just kicking the ball or pulling on the ball up to where it's a 4-2 situation, unfortunately. Yeah, you see, if you if you're an advocate or if you're if if you love a bit of ground hurling, there's always junior hurling because yeah. there it's more about getting the ball out of your own half or getting yeah. it. You know, for you're not really too worried about who's going to because it's not going to come back too quick either. So, for all you connoisseurs of ground hurling out there, just go watch a few junior hurling matches. You'll see plenty of ground hurling. It won't it won't be John Troy standard, but you know, it won't be old Quigley, but it'll be all right. And plenty of, as, as Rory said, bash ball. Plenty <laughs> of bash balls, yeah. <laughs> Emphasis on the bash. Um, okay, Rory's last rule is not off the wall because it's one that gets mentioned quite a lot. And it's the idea, Barry, of four points for a goal. This one's been around for a long time. Four points for a goal. You probably had people have said five points for a goal. Basically, you know, the, the goal is too devalued because, as we've discussed at the top, points tallies have gone through the roof so make a goal more attractive to score it becomes the game it would it would fundamentally change how the game is played you would have to imagine yeah and i'd be as traditional as they come when it comes to well maybe life in general maybe conservative but uh, i had this discussion with a guy locally recently and he kind of brought in the i suppose the rugby concept that you know we were 
particularly maybe myself and Dale to a certain extent, you know, grew up with six nations or five nations was back then and, you know, Keith Crossing would score a try and it was worth, worth four. And, you know, the, the rugby obviously is a good example in the sense that a try and a conversion is worth seven. So it's like nearly three penalties to, to cancel it out like. And, uh, you know, rugby has its own difficulties now in terms of how the game has changed and so on. It's a bit like hurling, but um, I think it's one that, look, we better give Rory one of these at least, otherwise he'd be totally depressed. We better concede one of them. We haven't seen Lanny so far, but yeah, no, I do think there's merit in it. I think like, and quite often you see a game now where a team scores a goal, but the other team, I suppose to their credit, replies unbelievably quickly with maybe two quick fire points. And suddenly it's like, the, the goal and the buzz and the lift it's given, it's almost like dissipated immediately. Like, Jesus, they're getting two points there in, in 30 seconds and suddenly you didn't even get a kick from the goal even. So like the idea like that, a lot of you would change the game, as you said, in every way in terms of even scoring, records, all of these things, but nothing still beats, you know, a goal brings a level of excitement, the net being rattled. Uh, you know, I don't know how close it is, but you know, we've moved on, Mikey, I suppose, from originally where a goal was won a game for you, and how many points the opposition scored back in the early days of GEA. You win a match, two goals to, to eight points, and you were the winner because you got, got, got all goals. But uh, I, I do think the rugby certainly works in rugby. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's worth exploring, maybe, or maybe seeing it at underage or at certain levels, maybe your beloved junior level, maybe. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I don't score anything, so it doesn't really matter. But um, uh, and uh, Delo, like we talked about, you know, the fact that you you know inside lines or one two players or like you know there's the ball is sailing over the like sometimes you know the most talented players on the field are the inside forwards and they're not getting as much ball as they used to when you were pulling out from the half forward line the half back line. Um, this would be a way to probably see inside forwards get more ball, which for fans and for for coaches for teammates is probably a good thing. Yeah, I, the, the Nemo Rangers man made five points, obviously, uh, for us today. Uh, but th- this is the one I would I'd like to, I wrote, I'd actually wrote down merit in this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I think Barry has hit the nail on the head. I was thinking maybe, you know, you, maybe you could bring it in as the second goal would be worth four points and maybe any subsequent goals worth four points. Might be an interesting way of, you know, a team to push on and keep going for goals mm. and, and keep trying to create goal chances. Um, and definitely, yeah, you look at, you even look at the difference in, in, in soccer as well. And oh no, they don't give two goals for a goal, but they give three points for a win. We all remember the days of the two points and the one point. And, you know, teams were going away from home and playing for draws, like, and quite happy and they weren't losing much ground. So, yeah, I do think the goal is, is, is the hugely exciting bit of our games, the thing that sets the stadiums rocking. And uh, to give it more, I, yeah, I would go with this actually. I would okay. I would try it in next year's national league if they were willing to do something as uh, volcanic as that in the GA, which we know they usually don't. But yeah, I thought even if they wanted, you know, say first goal three points, any subsequent goals four points for them, you know, it would, mm. it would keep up that level of you know we can get back into this with a goal here, um, rather than kind of take your points all the time and it being a bit you know monotonous at times with some of the easy points we've seen in the last while but so yeah I, I go with Rory on this one Mikey I think there's there's a lot of merit in it as, as, as Barry has said and um, it, it should be looked at I really do think that okay. even though this year we had a fair old year of goals now yeah. this year you know we, we got did. great goals as well and, and uh, seen, as you said 
earlier about like Limerick seemed to really change the tactic and put emphasis on goals. And any time they got to goal, then to drive on immediately afterwards. And um, there was definitely there was a there was a change from from Kylie and Kinnock on that front. Um, we got some great goals in in twenty twenty one. Uh, so hopefully that that trend will continue. But I, yeah, I'd like I wouldn't mind seeing that child definitely during the league anyway. Okay, if we're ripping up the uh, the manner of scoring, and I have one suggestion because it just popped into my head when we were dismissing rule two: you can't score from inside your own half. How about Barry? For a point score from inside your own sixty-five, say you get two points because then you're going to have less chance of a player uh, of the opposition team standing off your Kyle Hayes or your uh, your Dermot Burns and allowing them to shoot, and you'd actually. You know, it would become it would reward the skill, but it would also make the opposition team less likely to allow it happen. Mikey, remember Dale wrote down no. <laughs> yeah. right? Rory taking it out of fuck here. The reason why because remember a few years ago there was a kind of a maybe a campaign that a sideline could be worth two points, and for a while it got a bit of traction, you're thinking this could actually come in. But uh like what's the difference between Okay, and Joe obviously brought to a new level, but a sideline cut from 70 yards, fantastic piece of skill. But sure, I mean, it's no more skillful than remember when you, you reference Owen Quigley and that incredible score he got at the Leicester final back maybe 12, 15 years ago. And like, where do you draw the line that at, at a piece of skill that's, you know, what's it's at the beauty of the eye and and all that? Like, so, you know what I mean? I, I would think that, but I do think uh, because the standard of goalkeeping is so good now, like, people love, you know, Malays around the goal and lads going for shots. Remember Brendan saving all the shots from, from the Kilkenny lads back in whatever it was, God, 2003, I think, at this stage. Um, but like, if you lads going for, I know you'd probably have more saves then because the standard of keeping is so good, you know. Um, so, like, I, I think Dale was right. I think we trial this, it's some, some aspect or some, you know, I don't know whether it's, okay, not say colleges or third level or whatever, but definitely trial it something, you know, the usual, the, the Walsh Cups and the Kill Cups and the Water Crystal and all of those, like maybe, and see how it works because it's it's nothing beats, you know, people love seeing goals scored and 50 and 60 points a game can get a little bit, you know, monotonous in a way. We are limited what we can do. I mean, the golf is on tomorrow, but like the course can be set up in any way so that, you know, it can suit the big hitters or not suit the big hitters and the rough can be long and it can be short and pin positions can be more tricky. So that's how they deal with in golf courses. You can't change the dimensions of a pitch, obviously. You know, you can't change the goalposts and you can't change the pitches. Pitch is a pitch and that's it. can't be longer than 145 metres and, you know, so. Okay. All right, well, I'm glad to, I got shot even, down. Have to, even, have to even cut the grass now, Bert. <laughs> there was a time, time for the grass to be left go, all right? He wasn't cut in 2006, Taylor, when I read through the final. It's 30% but anyway, that's we might have to edit that out, Mike. You possibly may. It definitely wasn't good. <laughs> it was nice and short, and it wasn't short. <laughs> I don't think we need to cut that out. No way. I'm much surprised, Mikey, that Dale referenced uh, soccer there because after the two weeks Spurs have had now, I'd say he won't mention it. <laughs> oh, oh no. We won on penalties last night, straight to penalties. That was not a rule change, no extra time. Yeah. Good rule, good rule. <laughs> see, rule changes can be good. That's that's really fun now. Matches, no replay. Straight to penalty shoutouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there you go. Some rule changes are good, but unfortunately for Rory, um, four of his five were not deemed good. Um, it's a shame he couldn't have been here today. And it just thoughts with Rory today. So we'll um we'll leave to that. Thank you very much, Barry. Thank you, Anthony. And um, listen, we'll probably come back and do another podcast around Congress because um 
some of us are mad for that stuff and we, we can't be helped. Um, we'll catch you all again soon. Thank you to the lads. Goodbye. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! It's over the bar! Oh! Holy Moses!